Welcome to the Kinder Lights Podcast. It's all about raising the profile of early learning and celebrating wonderful kindergarten educators as they share stories of their highs, lows, and some of the wild fun in between. You'll hear unvarnished truths and advice about teaching in kindergarten learning spaces shared by educators who are lights of hope, joy, and love for their students. And now, here's your host, a man who spent the final three years of his 30-year career as a kindergarten teacher, Chris Quinn. Hello, and welcome to all Kinderlights podcast listeners. I'm really excited to be welcoming Michael Palagi to the podcast. Michael is my ninth guest on the podcast, and he's living in Bangkok, Thailand. Michael is an early years and primary teacher who has spent the past 11 years teaching in Japan, Germany, and now Thailand. His educational interests are in play, word inquiry, student agency, and creating an engaging interdisciplinary curriculum in his learning spaces. Michael loves learning through play as his students are self-motivated and they are learning how to use skills in a variety of ways that are beneficial to their own individual needs. And I'll add Michael's contact information to the show notes. And now, I'm honored to welcome Michael Palagi to the Kinder Lights podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Michael. Awesome. Super excited to be here. So just as a refresher for our listeners, the format for our discussion will be structured around our LIGHTS acronym, with each letter referencing something from the educator's early years experiences. So Michael, we'll begin with the first letter in the acronym, and that's L. And L stands for laugh, a humorous moment or something that has made you smile in your experience. Every day, there's something just incredibly unique about what the students say. Um, And I've taught, let's see, from two and a half up until grade three is about eight years old. An incredibly stressful job at times because you're like, come on, people, we need to, to move on in this place. And they're just doing their own thing in their own little world. And you're like, I have to take a breath. <laughs> like they're four years old or they're two years old or they're six years old. And I, we just have to appreciate that. <laughs> and so there'd be times where just like I was trying to teach something and just didn't go that way at all. And that happens, I think, across every age group. But sometimes it's like, well, it wasn't just me. It's because they're really little. And like it's usually off on some tangent that's, really, really interesting. Like those teachable moments we talked about in university, um, I don't think happen any more often, or I think they happen way more often in the early years than they do anywhere else, just because something will pop up during calendar time or during our language time and there's a new word and they want to go into this. And it's like sticking to time limits is not my strong point because just they're so curious and I have to follow that. And usually it's always something kind of fun too. You talked about curiosity, and to be able to go with that curiosity in our classrooms is a wonderful opportunity for us as educators as well as for students. But, you know, you, you also mentioned something that, that reminded me of the beauty of how they live, our young children live so authentically mm-hmm. and uninhibited. You know, what they share and what they do, not in, encumbered by some things that we start to experience as we get older that kind of, mm. I don't know, we're, we're not as willing to take risks and perhaps those young people don't even see them as risks at that age. No, right? it's experimentation. And sometimes they put those Legos or those blocks 
I'm like, how, why would you ever put that? It's going to fall because I know gravity exists. And they put it there and then it works. And like, how are you doing that? Like that is kind of defying gravity or at least what I thought gravity was. And so just there's it's just that innocence that's so powerful of you don't, I was kind of like saying you have that gift of not knowing. I, I did my greatest learning as an early years teacher. So much of what our young people do causes us to laugh, not so much at them, but laugh in kind of celebration of what we see them doing. How'd yeah. you do that? <laughs> like, that was awesome. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next letter in our acronym, and that's I for interest. So something that interests you most about early years and early years teaching and learning. I remember doing student teaching, not student teaching, but clinicals through university and just having pre-K, so three to four-year-olds, and just having them sit for so long doing doing lessons, in my quotation marks here, and just the amount of time we spent sitting, and I'm very lucky that internationally, um, at least at my school, that we're really happy to let kids learn through play and through their own interests. Um, and so we're, you know, my big project that I've kind of been really been working on the past years is, you know, like in my bio, is creating that interdisciplinary curriculum, not through me telling you what to do, but through me scaffolding inquiries and looking at your play and, and me being a research to what you're doing rather than me guiding you and well, telling you what to do. And I'm using what you want to do to then help you explore and learn. And so um, we call them play projects or lately this we call them play that can stay because they love to rhyme this year. And so, you know, it's I'm like, well, what do you want to learn about? Like, this is totally up to you. And so some of them wanted to create zoos. We've got an art gallery. We've got... I'm a pizza shop. We've got a brownie dessert shop and an airport. So we've got those kind of play projects going on. And I'm trying to really bring in literacy to their play in an authentic, meaningful way to them. And so, to, you know, we're learning how to like to read and decode and all that stuff too. But I'm like, comprehension is really important. And so we're bringing that reading like a reader sometimes. And we look at pictures or words. And we take that information from, from text or from books or from epic books online or doing interviews or going to places around the school and using that information then inside of our play. And so um, on Twitter the other day, there was a little, um, a little boy in the zoo and they're like, well, what, is, what do elephants eat? And like, well, we don't know. And so they, they, they then chose to go get a book to figure out that information. And so they're realizing, realizing that reading has a purpose. Like I'm not just doing this because my teacher told me to. And so they got a few books on elephants and they're looking through it to see you know, they found a nonfiction one and looking to see what they eat. And it was a nice kindergarten appropriate one. And it's like, well, elephants eat grass was the sentence or something like that. And it's like, well, we need to get grass. And so they got this little wood bamboo thing. And so they went and got it and they put it right in front of the elephant. And then they go, the elephant's eating grass. Like they're using that, that text to really inform their decisions. And I think that's really powerful. Are you thinking in the maybe the short and or the long term about possibly sharing some of your experiences, not just in podcasts like this, but mm -hmm. in terms of professional learning models, uh, being able to share what you are learning about yourself and, and the wealth of experience you have already, even your young life, being able to share that with other educators, maybe in the areas that you're in now in terms of different parts of the world, but also even in the United States and in Canada. And I can say in, from a North American standpoint, we as educators would greatly benefit 
from hearing more from you and seeing more from you in terms of your experience in these early years? Yeah, I think so with all the COVID stuff and all the online presentations, I was like, well, I moved to, to Thailand to really just kind of push myself. And I was really careful about the school I picked because like, I want them to challenge me. And so I'm like, well, I have to put myself out of my comfort zone sometimes. And so I started to do some online and it's been really awesome. And there's just been little ones on a few things, uh, mostly in Asia, but again, open to anywhere with all the online stuff now. And it's like, well, it's fun to share my thinking and just kind of my my journey to where I've kind of discovered what I enjoy. But then it's really reflective. And so I'm like, by me having to explain why I'm making these choices, I think has made me a such better teacher. And so I'm really hoping that, and you know, we talked about before about you doing, you know, early years when you were 50 and getting up and down. I'm like, I love this, but it is when I get to 50, I wonder if this is going to be just as much fun. I'm like, I need a little bit of a backup plan and, and who knows when, what I'm mid thirties now, who knows if it's, 75 when I get to finally retire. <laughs> and so looking back upon, I would love to to look at more opportunities to to try and do not, not necessarily consulting, but just kind of sharing and collaborating with other people would be a fun thing to do in the future. I appreciate your reflective practice here, just in terms of you recognizing not only what you're requiring in terms of your expertise and the development of that, um, but also your willingness to share and you seeing the benefit of that uh, for others as well. So thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. The G in our acronym stands for a gaff or a gasp. It can be sort of a personal blunder or even something that shocked you that you experience with children, other educators and so on. So I'll leave it to you. So my very first year teaching, I was at a little kindergarten in Tokyo. I had 60 kids from like one to six years old. And we said like our little morning station together all at the exact same time we did a story a little just something silly and um just all the kids together and so this little girl i'm like well you know come up student x and they come up because she wanted to share what day it was but like, what day is it and she goes i know and she really wanted to come up and tell us i'm like well you know come on and then she comes up and just pulls down her pants and like lifts up her shirt and she goes it's tuesday or whatever day it was and just she had her you know that monday tuesday underwear and Obviously had that important conversation in the morning about what day it is it. And I had to then, I'm like, I don't want to embarrass you because there's all the teachers standing there and I'm sitting in this little, you know, four-year-old chair and just this little girl just pants down, shirt up, just underwear exposed. And like, I had to hold it together. So I'm like, I don't want you to be embarrassed because you just, you don't, again, know social norms yet. And so just, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know, the day of the week. And I just... Everyone's like cracking up too. I'm like, I just have to not laugh too hard. The reality is for her, that was just another day in her life, yes. right? And, and, and no big deal. And as you said, even the students around her. Yeah, hey, it's Tuesday. <laughs> oh, it doesn't fit with our social norms as adults, right? So, <laughs> oh, very good. Thank you. Um, okay, H in the acronym is a highlight. So something from your experience that really stands out as important. I was teaching pre-KK together. And so we went to another school for some PD. And you walk around the, the space and it was very Reggio um, inspired. And just everything was out and about. And these, just you could see the learning happening on a Saturday morning without the kids even being there. And then like well, we don't clean up after every playtime or whatever we call it. And so... I was like, wait, I 
I don't have to have them clean up every time because we create these beautiful towers and bridges and, um, and everything. And then we make you clean it up and do it again. And, and it was just that, you know, one of my little presentations that I was trying to do during COVID, I was like, well, you don't have to clean up. And to me, that was right now it's, there's never everything cleaned up in the classroom. And I'm like, well, I wanted to share that with others because that never occurred to me that you could let it stay on the floor. And I know cleaning is a little bit trickier and whatnot, but play can stay there. Like it doesn't have to be cleaned every time. When I first started teaching in a kindergarten classroom, that was kind of a pet peeve of mine. Like I, I couldn't get my head around at the end of a day or nearing the end of a day uh, when I wouldn't gather the kids together and we'd say, okay, it's been, we'd celebrate what happened during the day, near the end of yeah. the day. We always made that a priority. But then we would say, okay, it's time to sort of put everything away and so mm. we can begin anew tomorrow. And what right. I came to realize is something you said. The, the learning doesn't just have to, we, we talk about continuous opportunities for mm. learning. And yeah. when we shut that down sometimes at the end of a day, kids yeah. may be invested in what's happened and they don't see it as an end. They see no. it as let's be able to keep doing this tomorrow. And I had sometimes kids would say to me, can we please leave this up? We want to add to it tomorrow. Yeah. And it took me a long while to really realize. And again, I learned from the kids, right? Yeah. How important that was for them to be able to not have to always start anew every day. For anyone who's not tried that, that's my number one tip of, this is one takeaway from this conversation, just two days. Don't let them, don't make them clean up and just see what happens and see how it grows and, we were talking about writer's workshop and, you know, this year's like the COVID kids, they've never had a normal year of school. And it's like they're writing, they couldn't continue between different days. And like, we really have to just like, what can I connect this to, to, to something that they get? And so like, well, like, let's really bring that concept of transferring information day to day into our play. And like talking about, like, look at what you're doing on Monday and you reflecting that what am I going to do Tuesday and reflecting what I'm going to do Wednesday and that way they're doing in their play and they're understanding that I can grow my ideas across time. And then like, and directly linking that to our writer's workshop of like, look at how each day you can have the same book and you can read the pages before and then make new decisions. And after really linking that, you're doing this in your play, this is something we can do in writing. It just, it clicked, um, which is really awesome. Well, you've led into the next part. And in fact, you've probably already hit on it, but you've provided some great advice um, for us as educators and reminding us of the importance of that continuity when it comes to mm. play, reading, uh, writer's workshop, all of those things that, you know, one experience can build on another. It's part of a process, mm -hmm. right? And we need to be able to honor the process. So, yeah. so I don't know whether you want to add more to it, but T is for tip. And, mm. um, and your words of advice are really resonating with me. I'm not sure if that's where you were going with this or not. Give it a shot of not cleaning up. And Thank you. Well, that takes us to our last uh, letter in the acronym, and that's S. So a saying or quote that's been important to you um, that certainly would serve to inspire others. It's a Dr. Seuss one, like from all the places you'll go. Um, and just due to the life I live and the curiosity and the, the unknowing of the future, um, it'll kind of have to be that whole book. Yeah. <laughs> I can't pinpoint one thing from that, but it's just, you know, and there's a really great um, Japanese word called shogunai, and it's like, it can't be helped. You can't cry over spilt milk, and you just have to keep moving on. And so you have those bad moments, and you just, you keep going. Exactly. I, I think, you know, part of what, what you're talking about here and what you've talked about through our discussion is 
we really need to, as educators um, and as students, but to mm -hmm. honor what is real. In other words, honor their need to be able to be curious and mm -hmm. to be able to explore um, what is a passion or interest for them. Yeah. And we're really yeah. working to scaffold the learning. We're not in there to give all the answers that we may or may not know, but we're in right. there to be, to be in, in many respects, learning alongside them as well. And, and, and I loved the fact that in, a, in an early years classroom, I truly felt like a co-learner. As much as I did it as a teacher, I felt like a co-learner in the journey, which is very exciting. It's very much learning together, which is always, I think that's why going back into primary, like this is still really fun, but you feel more like a teacher and, and in early years, you feel like, let's, let's do this together and, and let's just play and have fun doing this stuff. And then I'll tweak it a little bit and see where you're going with it. So, Michael, I, um, just before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before uh, we conclude our discussion today. I think if you are interested in going abroad, it is a ton of fun. Um, there's tons of challenges along the way and language and visas and finding housing and food and, but, um, I wouldn't take it back for a second. And so, um, if you're ever in Thailand, let me know. Wonderful. So I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Michael. Um, it's really been an honor to engage with you in the, the conversation we've had and to listen to you share some truly wonderful experiences that you've had, uh, certainly teaching abroad and in early years. I wish you well as you continue your school year. Um, by the way, when does your school year wrap up? What, what stage are you at in school year? 17th-ish. Reports, I have one left to proofread, and those are done, which is super exciting. That's my least right. favorite part of the job. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So, and then in the summer, are you? what's your plan? We will go back to America for about six weeks. So that'll be really nice to see family. That's great. So this has been our June episode of the Kinder Lights podcast. Please plan to listen to us with us again at the beginning of July as I talk with an early years uh, learning educator leader who's based in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The Kinderlights podcast can be accessed on my Google webpage. That's sites.google.com slash view slash grateful edu 64. It's also available through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. I can be reached on Twitter at ChrisQuinn64 and or GratefulEDU64. And I'm also accessible through Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kinder Lights podcast. Please continue to be a light of hope and kindness, especially for those who need it most. <laughs>